Dr. Francesca Stavrakopoulou, that's quite a name, Stavrakopoulou, is a biblical scholar. She teaches at Exeter University in England, and she was the presenter of a TV series called The Bible's Buried Secrets. Her area of specialty is the Old Testament, and she's extremely knowledgeable about ancient Hebrew customs, about biblical texts, and about the way that the Old Testament has helped to shape the New Testament. She is bright, learned, articulate, and she knows a whole lot more about the Bible than I do. She also is a self-described atheist. To her, the Bible simply is a book, a rich book, but a book of history and culture. When I recently read some things about her, I was reminded of my own early days in the faith. Because when I was a new believer, I often was encouraged to get a firm grip on the Bible as a way to become established in my faith. Now that's good advice, but I think it has one glaring weakness. It puts the focus on me and on my connection to a book. And sometimes... Sometimes the result of that kind of approach is someone like Dr. Stavrakal Kopalu. You see, it occurs to me that she has a firm grip on the Bible, but the Bible does not have a firm grip on her. When we get a grip on the Bible, we increase our knowledge. When the Bible gets a grip on us, we let God increase our faith. We let God use his truth to transform our lives. Now, the fact is that as followers of Jesus, we we don't view the Bible in the same way as Dr. Stavrakopoulos. And yet we sometimes, I think, approach the Bible the same way she does. We read the Bible primarily to gain the facts that are contained in the book. And this approach can cause us to settle onto a spiritual plateau. Can we have that slide, please? You see, when we read the Bible to know the book, I believe that our passion and our excitement and our joy can fade over time. Bible reading can become a duty instead of an opportunity to have a fresh encounter with the living God. We might even reach the point where we think we have all of the important facts down and we become prideful about our Bible knowledge. All of this can cause our experience of faith to plateau. And if that's the case, then we need a fresh approach to Scripture. We need to let the Bible get a fresh grip on us because when that happens, then God will get a fresh grip on us. And we're reminded of this in many places in Scripture, but one of the great places to be reminded of this is in Psalm 119. We're going to look this morning at verses 9 to 16 of this very rich passage of Scripture. Let's take a look at the first part of this text. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart, Do not let me stray from your commands. Now, Psalm 119 is by far the longest of all of the Psalms. 
And the entire thing declares the beauty and the richness of Scripture. It's all about the Bible. And the psalmist celebrates the incredible power of these words from God to change us from the inside out. And yet that change doesn't take place because of a book. It takes place because of the God that we encounter through this book. And that becomes clear here in verses 9 and 10. We do not strive to learn the Bible for its own sake. We don't approach the Bible simply to master the facts. We approach the Bible as a way to pursue God. We invest time and effort and energy in devouring this book because it is a way to seek God with all of our hearts. A few years ago, I encountered a woman who could recite from memory, in chronological order, all of the kings of Israel recorded in the Old Testament. And she was extremely proud of this. And she saw it as a sign of her spiritual superiority. And when she learned that I could not do the same thing, she mocked me. She mocked me for not being able to master Bible facts like that. And I gently said to her, how does that knowledge help you faithfully follow Jesus in your daily life? How will that knowledge help you resolve a relational conflict? How will that knowledge help you share your faith with someone who's far from God? How will that knowledge help you become a more Christ-like person? I said to her, it's not bad to know what you know. But for me, I'd, re- I'd much rather know this. I want to know why some kings of Israel faithfully followed God and why other kings of Israel turned their back on God. And I want to learn from those kings of Israel who pursued God so I can follow their example and live a life of faith. You see, as the psalmist writes here, the goal is to live according to God's word. And that only will happen as we pursue God with all of our heart. And then we let him, through the scriptures, get a grip on us. Get a grip on our minds and our hearts and our souls and our lives. So how do you approach the Bible? Do you read it to master the facts and add to your knowledge? Do you read it so you can learn the rules of behavior and then follow them so you can be a good person? Or do you pursue God through the Bible, believing that as you connect with him, he is the one who will direct your path? There is a huge difference between a book-directed life and a God-directed beautiful thing is this, that when we pursue God and meet him in the scriptures, then his spirit can and will help us stay on the path, what the psalmist calls the path of purity. What is that path? Jesus described it this way. We love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. 
when we pursue God, we let God and his word grip us and fill us with his love and show us how to live. And the more that we do this, the more that we come to scripture to meet God, and then we see what God does in response, then the more that we will hunger for him. We will hunger for more of him and for more of his truth. And that's what the psalmist talks about next, verse 10. Excuse me, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Now, as I read this, I see something of a contrast in these two statements. The psalmist is saying, I know God's word. I know it well enough to hide it in my heart. And yet right on the heels of that, he praises God and says, teach me. In other words, I think he's saying that he's not content with what he knows to this point. He hungers to know more. He wants to be continually taught because he wants to know God's truth by knowing God. And he knows that as he grasps God's word and as God grasps him, then he will not be liable to engage in sin. Clearly, because of the connection with God that he describes here, he views sin as a personal betrayal of his personal connection with the living God. He sees this in very personal terms because he's not just pursuing the facts of a book. He's pursuing God and hungering for more and more of God. I think some of this becomes more clear when we understand some of the underlying meanings of the original Hebrew text. We often refer to the Bible as the Word of God. But the idea of the Word in ancient culture was much richer than our American understanding. To the Middle Eastern way of thinking, the Word is far more than what appears on a printed printed page. The idea is this. The Bible has been breathed into existence by the living God. So the Bible is a living word that actually has the power to continually birth new life within us. And that's why we should take this living word and hide it in our heart. And he's not talking about hiding it like a secret. He's talking about treating it like a treasure and putting it in a safe and secure place from which it cannot be stolen. And when I securely put God's living word into my heart, then it has the ability to change me from the inside out. That's why we offer adult Bible fellowship groups and life groups and growth triads and Sunday schools and the Iwana program. The purpose of doing all that is not so that we all master Bible knowledge. Bible knowledge is important, but it's not the goal. The goal is to help all of us, adults and teens and children, embrace God through his living word. And we want to take this living word and hide it in our hearts where God then can use it to produce new life within us. And as he does this, we will hunger more and more. There is nothing like seeing the fruit of God working in our lives to make us hunger for more and more of him. And like the psalmist, we will cry out, Lord, teach me. Keep teaching me. Please give us 
evermore of your living, life-changing word. Now, not only is the idea of the word different in the Middle East than it is in America, the Hebrew language also has multiple words for word. And we translate them all with one word, word. So some of the nuances of the Hebrew text don't show up in our English translations. And for example, here in verse 11, the word for word contains a strong implication of a promise. Think about that. It's highly likely that the psalmist is saying, I've hidden your promises in my heart. And I really love that idea because it reinforces our understanding of our own personal connection with the living God. He's given you and me promises about his love and his care and his provision here in the Bible. And we can read the Bible and learn those personal promises and then hold them securely in our heart. And then knowing how much God loves us and how much he cares for us, why would we want to sin against him? And by the way, the Hebrew language also has many different words for sin. To sin means to miss the mark. And the word for sin here in verse 11 gives, a, gives us a very broad understanding of how we might miss the mark. Here's the Bruce White paraphrased version. I've hidden your promises in my heart so that I won't sin against you by doing things you tell me are bad for me and for others. I also don't want to sin against you by not doing things that you tell me are vital for me and others. You see, the idea here in verse 11 is that sin can be doing, but sin also can be not doing. Sin can be doing wrong or not doing some of the specific good things that God asks us to do. We sometimes describe this with a phrase. We call it sins of commission and sins of omission. Sometimes I think we overlook the sins of omission. For example, the Bible tells us as followers of Jesus to care for the poor and the needy, for widows and orphans, to love the unloved. To do those things is part of what it means to stay on the path of purity. It's part of what it means to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And not doing such things can be considered a sin because we're straying from God's path. The psalmist, because of his love for God's word, loves God. God has a grip on him. And he wants to avoid sin. There's a piece of this that we sometimes miss. Whenever we talk about sin, it's easy to see this as an issue of being confined, that somehow the Bible gives us this set of rules that limit us and hem us in. But for the psalmist, God's truth is not confining, it's liberating. God, through his word, liberates us from our sinful, self-destructive tendencies. He liberates us from our pettiness and our selfishness and our pride and our greed. And we are liberated to love God and love others as God's living word continually creates new life in us. And when we read through Psalm 119 in its entirety, all of that comes through. 
loud and clear. So the more we hunger for God, the more we pursue God through his word, the easier it becomes to avoid sins of commission and omission. To stay on the path that God has marked out for us. And when we do this, the result should be a life filled with delight. Our lives should radiate delight because of the incredible privilege we have of being connected with the living God. And that's what the psalmist describes in the closing part of this passage. Verse 13, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. It is a wonderful picture of praise and joy and delight. And the psalmist is so full of gratitude toward God that he spends time meditating on the wisdom of Scripture. He lets it fill his mind because the Word of God that breathes new life in him brings joy and delight to his thoughts. And he even loves to recite the Scriptures that have been given to him by, by a loving God. He's taken these truths and hidden them in his heart, and then he recites them aloud as he goes through his day. He recites them aloud to encourage himself and others the daily life of faith. Maybe you and I should try that. So we're doing chores at the house. So we're taking a walk, sitting at a stoplight in our car. Maybe turn off the radio, get rid of the earbuds, and recite some scripture aloud. Some scripture that reminds us of God's ongoing presence in our lives the living word that reminds us that God is watching over us, that he has a plan for us and a path for us, and his living word equips us daily to walk that path. That's the kind of thing the psalmist does, and it fills his life with delight. He has incredible joy as he walks this path of purity, the path that Jesus describes as loving God loving his neighbor. It strikes me that these are not the dry and dull words of someone who's accumulated biblical knowledge for its own sake. These are not the words of a a burdened and fear-filled rule follower who daily lives in fear of putting a foot wrong and experiencing the judgment of God. These are not the words of someone stuck on a spiritual plateau where they're just kind of going through the motions. These are words of delight from a joy-filled lover of God. These are words of delight that transcend circumstances. The joy that a believer can have when we know because of God's living word that God himself has a grip on us and he will sustain us in every situation we face. It is a delight and a joy far greater than satisfaction or happiness. It is something deep in the soul. And So if you feel burdened, if you're not experiencing delight with God, then perhaps it's time to let the Bible get a fresh grip on you. 
pursue God. Hunger for more of God and his truth revealed here in the Bible. And then experience some real delight as this living word from the living God continually creates new life in you. So here's a practical question. How do we do it? How do we actually encounter God through his word? I want to suggest a practical way to help you embrace these principles that we've just explored. First and most obviously, we need to make a commitment to read the Bible regularly. If you're not doing that, I want to encourage you to go online. There are scores of Bible reading plans you can find. They are published by the thousands. Find a Bible reading plan that makes sense for you. Personally, I like to recommend that when people sit down to read the Bible, they should always start with one of the biographies of Jesus. Read Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. Get to know Jesus better. But get a plan. And then when you sit down to read a Bible, a Bible passage, I want to encourage you to ask yourself three simple questions. Come on, slide, please. Three simple questions. What does this passage reveal about God? What does this passage reveal about me? What does this passage reveal about how I can more faithfully follow Jesus? Take a look at what happens when we use these three questions on this passage that we just looked at. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16, reveals that God has made a way for me to know him. I can know him through his word. And his word is not just a book, it is a living, spiritual document that can birth new life in me. This passage reveals that I need God and I need his truth to show me how to live. I need God and his truth to point me in the right direction. This passage reveals that if I want to live a life of faith, then I need to pursue God. And I can do that through the scriptures. I can embrace his living word, which is full of promises for me, and I can hide this living word securely in my heart. And then with God's help, I can avoid doing wrong things, and I can choose to do the good things. Letting God always guide me down the path that he has laid out for me. And I will know that I'm on the right path if I'm experiencing delight in my connection with God through his word. And if I'm not hungering for God, if I'm not rejoicing in his presence in my life, then it's a clear sign that I need to let the Bible get a fresh grip on me. Because when that happens, I will be full of joy, delighting in the way that God is directing my steps all of the ups and downs of life. This is not hard to do. So read the Bible consistently. Ask these three simple questions when you read through a passage. And use this as a tool to let the living God, through his living word, Get a fresh grip on your mind and your heart and your soul and your life.